Well, like I said, guys, I've got a microphone on, and I just feel like I'm supposed to preach this, and we're supposed to record it. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a word in season that's been on my heart for the better part of two weeks now, and I, I just feel a little bit of the weight to it. So um, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm just gonna impart what I feel like the Lord gave me, and we'll probably call it an early night here. Um, Psalms 37, 8 has been strong, strong, strong in my heart. The last part of Psalms 37, 8 says, do not fret, it leads only to evil or evil doing. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. I've been thinking about it over and over in my conversations, it just keeps on coming up and I've started to just unpack a little bit from the scriptures what, what that evil word means and, and what the Lord is saying to us. And so I was challenged by this thought, I believe, from the Lord. What if I treated the sin of worry like the sin of adultery? And what if I treated the dangers of the sin of worry as if I lied multiple times a day? Just told big old fat lies every single day, multiple times a day, sometimes multiple an hour. I wonder what type of fruit I would be expecting in my life. And I wonder also... If you could tell somebody who was committing adultery all the time or lying all the time, how much blessing there is on the other side of them not doing that and how much we're missing out on because of the sin of of worry. So I know you guys know this. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself, but I just feel like I've been talking about it over and over. And this is the word of the Lord. So this is what Oswald Chambers says. I, I, I wrote this down a long time ago in Psalms 37. On July 4th, ironically, Independence Day, my utmost for his highest, he says this, resting in the Lord is not dependent on your external circumstances at all. <clears throat> so I've been addicted to circumstantial living. Yes, and when it's good, I'm good. When it's bad, I'm bad. When I'm up, I'm up. Down, I'm down. And that's been normal. And that's, that's just something I think that's socially acceptable, but it's really abnormal in, in biblical thinking. But resting in the Lord, not dependent on any external circumstances, but on our relationship with God himself. And that'll preach and we could stop right here tonight. Resting in the Lord, not dependent on your external circumstances, but on God himself. So I know God better. I know him more deeply and my rest expands. I can now go instead of being good one day and bad the next day, I can go for being good maybe a week and I'm bad for a few days, but the Lord's expanding my time of rest to where now I can experience that all the time. It's my portion. I have rest all the time. I don't have to be moved by any circumstance at all. Worrying always results in sin. We tend to think that a little anxiety and worry are simply an indication of how wise we really are, yet it's actually, ouch, a much better indication of just how wicked we are. Fretting rises from our determination, ouch, to have our own way, says the guy that died before he was 30. Our Lord never worried and was never anxious because his purpose was never to accomplish, ouch, his own plans, but to fulfill God's. Fretting is wickedness for a child of God. Have you been propping up that foolish soul of yours with the idea that your circumstances are too much for God to handle? Set all your opinions and speculations aside and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalms 91. Deliberately tell God that you will not fret about whatever concerns you. 
All our fretting and worrying is caused by planning without God. So good. And so Psalms 37, 8, don't fret. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. The only way that worrying and fret can go is evil. That's the, that's the path that we go on. Back up with me just a second and look at the process of sin. James, I've read this a thousand times, but it's so good. Um, and just some new stuff got unpacked. Look with me, James chapter one, starting in verse 13. How do we sin? How do we sin? What is the, what is the process? Well, the process is the same five steps since the Garden of Eden, and will continue to be the same five steps until we get our new resurrected bodies. The process of sin, according to James chapter one, is this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away or carried away by their own evil desire and enticed, verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There it is. There's five steps in there. And it's the same since the garden. And it's the same for all of us now. So step step number one, a truth statement, all sin leads to death. Yes, death is the check. So when we're sinning, we're working, and at the end, we get paid by a check called death. The wages of sin is death, right? All sin leads to death, but here's how it goes. Number one, our main problem is not that we're dragged away by the tempter. You notice it doesn't say that. It does not say we're dragged away by Satan. The main problem is our self. Sin, Satan, self, the number one thing is the self. That's our number one problem. It says we're dragged away by our own evil desire and enticed. So first and foremost, we have to realize Satan, the tempter, is way down the list of problems that we have. Number one, it starts in the heart, at the heart level, at our own evil desire level. We want what we want. Like he says there, I want my own will and I want my own way. So problem number one, sin starts, before we even get to sin, it starts at the heart level. What drags us away? Our own evil desire. So think with me about Eve. Eve had a heart condition first before she ever sinned. Her desire was to talk for God. Did God really say, and instead of turning to God and saying, help, she said, I can take care of this myself. So she wanted to be like God in the first place. She rose up, but her heart was prime target for the, the, the enemy to lead her away. The enemy just echoed her heart song. He just tempted her with the song that was already going on in that moment. So, Starts in the heart, and then we're dragged or drawn or lured away is what that word means, and enticed. And so that word there is like a hunting and fishing word. So we draw out the duck, never been duck hunting, but I know guys who have, with a duck call. Because we entice them with a sound. We're we're luring a fish with a shiny lure because it entices the fish to bite, And so that's what's happening. We're we're drawn or lured away from what? Well, the duck is drawn away from the protection of 
the flock, the other ducks. The, the fish is drawn away from its little cozy rock that it's hiding under. The Christian is drawn away from the flock, or it's drawn away from being under the shelter of his wings into danger. The, the devil's prowling around looking for someone to devour, the, the one who's cold off from the herd. So we're drawn away from something into something else, from protection into a lack of protection, and we're lured by these flashy things. And he images for us the harlot. This is like a young man being drawn away by a harlot and enticed. And then, step number three, we, our desire meets with the enticement and comes together and conceives. And then it says, and then you, you give yourself to another by desire conceiving. So I, I give my heart's desire to that illicit thing that is away from God. I'm looking away from God to something else to fulfill it. And I give myself to it and conception happens. And borrowing from the, from the natural, we understand how that happens. And so then when conception happens, growth starts and then conception results in giving birth to sin. Now, wait a second. I just said, what's the process of sin? How many steps down the line did I have to get to to get to sin? We're not even at sin until step number four. And what this tells us here, sin is not our main problem. Sin is the result of our main problem. The heart is the main problem. It's where we start off from, right? But that's not it. There's a fifth step. Sin, then, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So I think Dina maybe has a picture of our family tree here. So this is what the family tree looks like in the spiritual. We have our own evil desire married to the enticement, what we see with our eyes, that then results in the birth of sin. And then the grandchild is death. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You see that? So own evil desire and enticement births something. That doesn't stop there. It births into multiple generations after that. So in the natural, Adam and Eve came together and they had Cain. And Cain, when he was full grown, killed Abel. And so it doesn't stop at sin. It goes on past that. And we all know stories where it's been multiplied out for generation to generation to generation. So here's how it works. Remember with me in the Garden of Eden, this is how these five steps work. Eve starts off talking and communing with God, living under the protection of his wing in sweet fellowship, just dialoguing with him every day. Then she's dragged or drawn away to now have a conversation with the devil. She has not sinned yet. But she's been dragged away by her own evil desire to talk for God. By the way, where was man? Nowhere to be found guarding her. He stepped out of the picture. She was opened up to attack. The enemy comes in. She was dragged away by her desire to be God. And then she starts this conversation. And here comes the lure. And Satan says, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The duck call for Eve, the Eve call. And that's the shiny thing. See it? This, 
Your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God. And all of a sudden, she's, she started the conversation. She was away from the protection of God and her husband. And now she's over here following him wherever he's... Your, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. But the lure wasn't the sin. Then she saw she was enticed. She saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. She was dragged away, lured, and enticed. And then all of a sudden, that enticement met with her will, and she took. Now, she hadn't sinned yet. Why? Because he said, you can't eat. So here we are at step number three. She gave herself in her will to this enticement, and she conceived. And, and she took the fruit. She was already way down the road. There was no turning back at this point. She took, she conceived, and then what did she do? She bit into it. And she gave birth to sin. She gave birth to sin, and then it didn't stop there. Her eyes were opened. She spiritually died. She realized she was naked with Adam. They hid fig leaves, and then death just goes down the line. Okay? So, that's how sin works. I'm about to get to my main point here in just a second. So, sixth commandment out of Exodus 20 says, do not murder. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, but I say to you something deeper than that. You cannot hate your brother in your heart. You cross over that heart line of hatred and anger toward your brother, you've already murdered him in your heart. Why? Because Jesus is saying time doesn't matter. I'm taking the time element out of the equation and I'm saying hatred in your heart leads to murder down the road. Just join them together and say hatred equals murder. That's it. Jesus is outside of time. He can do that. God can say that. So we're going somewhere deeper in you. We're going to the heart level. So how today do we commit murder? Now we know how we can do that naturally. Let's not do that actually literally, but figuratively and according to Jesus in a very real sense, how do we commit murder? Well, it's the same steps. So let's walk through them real quick. Starts in the heart. Number one, my own evil desire gets churned up. I get dragged away and lured and enticed from brotherly love and unity and peace and abiding. And I'm getting dragged from unity and abiding into what? anger and separation. I've got over here a commitment to, I'm with you. I'm your brother for life. We're family of God together. And now I moved over here to, it's optional. This relationship might be over. We might be done as brothers. We might be finished here. I moved away into another place. And the devil the whole time is singing the song, right? Yeah, you didn't deserve to be treated that way. They knew what they were doing when they said that. They probably have a whole posse of people talking about you right now. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I didn't deserve to be treated that way. And they probably have a posse of people thinking it's my own thoughts, but it's the devil singing to me. And I'm harmonizing with him. And then all of a sudden, number three, conception happens. A choice of the will to get even. Before I've even sinned, a choice of the will to, you know what, I'm going to hurt them back. I'm going to get even with them for doing that to me, to get what they deserve. And then number four, the sin comes. The angry text or the gossip behind the back or the lashing out in anger. 
I finally get to sin because of what happened in my heart. And then lastly, death, broken relationship, heartache, separation, or worse, into multiplied generations. Isn't this a fun sermon? Okay, so how do I commit murder today? Five steps. One more time. What about seventh commandment? Do not commit adultery. Well, Jesus deals with that in Matthew chapter five, but I say to you, we're going deeper. We're starting in the heart. Why? Because lust equals adultery. Because I took the time factor out and said, you lust after someone that's not given to you. You've already committed adultery in real time. In real time. Lust is, if I could, I would. Ah, if I could, I would. Just to have that thing whatever it is. So Jesus says, starts in the heart with your own evil desire. Number two, you're dragged away from what? Purity and commitment to one person to an outside relationship, outside the bounds that he's given me and the devil's singing along. It feels good, do it. You deserve it. Everybody else does. You're better than other people at this. so You deserve a break, right? Yeah. And I sing along with him telling you guys, we think the sin is our issue. I'm like, it starts way back at the beginning. And then it gets to conception. I turn on the computer in the late night hour. I turn on my phone just to browse in the late night. I've made a choice of my will at that point. Or I have the innocent lunch with that business associate of the opposite sex that I don't tell anybody about. And I haven't sinned yet. I've just, I've just done the conception thing. And then bam, the sin gives birth, the pornography or the illicit relationship, the affair, and then it leads to death. And we all know plenty of these stories, addiction, broken hearts, isolation, divorce, separation, and then it gets multiplied out into multiple generations and it ruins communities. I've set this up to say, do not worry Matthew chapter 6, twice. Do not worry about your life and do not worry about tomorrow. What if we treated that commandment like I just explained to you the others? I'm deadly serious about this, guys. I think it's killing us. I think we're sowing so many bad seeds that we're reaping. We're like, why is my life out of control? Why am I not hungry for the word? And why do I have issues with... I'm like, I think we're doing sinning tons and tons and tons of times a day in a week that seems socially acceptable. And I'm just like, I just feel like the Lord's got his finger on that in my heart. He's like, stop worrying. (laughs) Stop worrying. Treat it like you would these other things. Don't worry. He says it twice in Matthew chapter six. Do not worry about your life. And to say it even more emphatically, don't worry about tomorrow. Two different ways. How do we commit worry? Talk about committing murder, committing adultery. How do we commit worry today? Well, ironically, guys, it's the same five steps that I've been saying over and over to you. It starts in the heart, yes? It's a heart desire. He says, don't worry about your life. Well, my heart desire is I want more than what I have in my life. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What about my house? What about my car? And don't worry about your future. And my heart desire, my evil desires are, I want control over my future. I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I want to be like God over tomorrow. And so then because it starts in the heart, step number two, I'm dragged away, first of all, from contentment about what I have in life to greed and I want more. Or secondly, if I'm worried about tomorrow, I'm dragged away from childlike trust and rest in today 
into fear of the future. What about tomorrow? If they die or if I get sick or if I lose my job or any millions of things. So we're dragged away and the devil's singing along the whole time. Yeah, you should be careful because you're an adult. This is what adults do. And we say, yeah, I should be careful. I should watch out. And so then desire, our evil desire, and, and the enticement meet together in conception. And so I sign up for the credit card. Just because I don't, I, I want to get something ahead of what the Lord's given me. Or I, or I go make that snap purchase that the Lord didn't give me peace to do. I don't have the peace of the Holy Spirit. I'm doing it because I'm worried or I'm not content with what I have. Or if it's about worrying about tomorrow, I'm laboring mentally through all the what ifs and I reach out to a worldly friend for advice. Hey, give me your advice on this. And conception's already happened. My will's already kicked into gear, Right? And then bam, the sin comes. The purchase without the peace of the Holy Spirit, we cut corners and lie to get more because we're not content with what we have. Or we shut down or we shift our plans or we position ourselves in life to be safe just in case. Don't abandon all to God. Don't give up your career, your finances, your whatever it is, because what if? And, and, and we shut ourselves off because of worry. It leads to death. Eaten alive by fear, emotionally crippled, physically actually sick. We're not living from the overflow. It's killing us. It's killing me. Worry is a sin. Okay, what's the cure? I'll wrap up with this. The cure is Jesus. Yes, Jesus is always the cure. Why? Because when Jesus takes over and I invite him, make your home in my heart through faith. He changes my desires at the deepest level, yeah? I actually desire righteousness now. He actually changes me to where the thing that I wanted before seems so dark to me and, and so pointless to me that I can't imagine it now. I want holiness and I want righteousness and I want purity. How can that happen? Well, no human strength can do it. Jesus has to come in and do it. But if you notice, when you said yes to Jesus, your heart desires didn't change overnight. So that's why we're continually asking, make your home in my heart through faith, God. Change my, at the desire level, change me, God. I want what you desire. And so we're putting to death by the Spirit the misdeeds of the flesh. That's first. That's the gospel. Now, what about for y'all Christian people who have already said yes to Jesus? Well, step number two is in Philippians. This is a worn out page. You guys know it. I'll say it a different way to you, maybe. Philippians chapter four. Do not, here's another command. Do not, meaning if you do, it's a sin. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where do you have to be to have your heart and your mind guarded? In Christ Jesus. So believer is a prerequisite here, but I'm talking to believers in this room. Do not be anxious about anything. So does that mean on Sunday evening, when I'm thinking through my work week 
and all that could happen or all that I need to do or I haven't done, it's on my plate still to do, and I give myself a little bit of anxiety that that's just something God's gonna gloss over and say, that's okay. No, he's like, that's a sin. And what do I do with sin? Well, if I was lying just then, I would probably be moved to confess my sin and get it out of my heart. If I was committing adultery, I didn't probably be good if I confessed it and got it out of my heart. But it'd be good if I was worrying about that to say, Lizzie, I'm stressed out about tomorrow. I want to confess that. She's like, I forgive you. Can I pray for you? And the prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and effective. And I'm healed of my sin of worry. Just that practical. Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Carl was here the other day. We did this in my office. It was just a heavy day. I don't remember. Was that a Monday? Maybe it was a Monday, right? And everybody, including me, was having a heavy day that day. Hard day. Lydia was there too. And I was just hearing it. And I was like feeling, it was like, ah, everything's kind of hard. So I was like, okay, company meeting. Come on in here, guys. So we gathered around the table and I said, we are going to rejoice in the Lord always. We're going to rejoice. We're going to thank God for his goodness to us. So everybody had to do it. We were around the table and everybody thanks God. So I said, okay, now we're halfway there. Now what we're going to do is we're going to make our request known to God everything on your laundry list, make it known to God. So I start going about an oil lease deal and about a lawsuit deal. And Carl starts going about some construction jobs. Lydia had some, I can't remember what Lydia's one. It was super important to me though. I care about you. But everybody had something to say. I think Melinda had something about Disciple Nation she was working on. And everybody just listed their three or four things. God, I need breakthrough in this. Would you help me? Bam, 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 bam. The top three, the top four, the top five with Thanksgiving. We got done. We stood up. What happened? Joy. There's a release of joy. And then pretty soon Melinda comes in. She's like, guess what? It was an hour later. She's like, I already got an answer to one of my prayers. This happened. The Lord did this. I'm like, yes, we won. Good job. And it was all lifted. It was all lifted. I was like, that's so stinking simple. Like that's super basic. And Paul's like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks guys. Like just do that. Because worry is a sin. And you know what it does? If we hadn't done that, guys, you know what I would have been doing all that day? Oh, life sucks. And I'm just gonna, I can't bless anybody. I can't prophesy to anybody because I'm so living in the undertow of life that I'm not spilling out. That's what sin really does. It keeps me from doing what I'm supposed to do. What I want to do, what I'm happy to do. And so the rest of the day, I was just, just a kid. I was just happy. I was just joyful. It was fun. Last thing, guard. I got caught up on this word here a couple weeks ago. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard in Greek is frueo, has two meanings. Number one, guard frueo means to protect a city by military guard in order to pre prevent a hostile invasion. Frueo has a second meaning. Number two, is to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from taking flight. Why would you do that? Well, you're surrounded by enemies and you're like, hang on, hang on, reinforcements are coming, don't move. And somebody, you know, we've all seen the movie where the guy's like, I gotta get out of here, I'm trapped. And he runs out, bam, right through the head, right? He's dead. So it's a guard protecting them from taking flight in a besieged city. Two meanings. Well, I'm crazy enough to believe that meaning number one is for my heart, and meaning number two is for my mind. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's what it means. Peace 
Guys, when I think about peace, I'm thinking like, like oily, like super timid and soft and like, ah, that's peace. This is not what peace is. Peace is like a military guard standing at the gate of a city protecting from hostile invasion. Peace is powerful. Peace is guarding our heart this way. It's protecting the city of my heart from hostile invasion. Peace is protecting my mind this way. It's protecting my little thinker, my little thoughts from running away because my mind's being besieged right now. And peace is saying, no, 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 no. Keep your minds right here. We're gonna stay heavenly focused. We're not gonna get into tomorrow. We will not get into the what ifs, mind, emotions. We're gonna stay here today, yes? Peace is guarding my heart from hostile invasion. I don't want enemies to come in and take rest. I want Jesus to make his home in my heart. I don't want all the other junk to, I, I want protection there. Peace is guarding my mind from fleeing away. Isn't that so good? Yeah. So good. I was like, oh my goodness. Thanks again, Paul. So, hey, don't worry this next week. Please don't worry. Would you treat it like the sin that it is and like the danger that it is? And I will too. And when I get tempted to worry, I'm not going to follow those five steps down the path. I'm going to be like, oh, this is an enticement right now. I know where this started. God, change my heart. Go right back and change my heart. I don't want to be led astray like Eve was. I don't want to do that, God. I want to stand. How should Eve have fought? With the word of God. No, thus saith the Lord. This is what he said. God, help me. Thus saith the Lord. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight with the sword. No, he'll provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. No, he'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm protected. I have the helmet of salvation. I have the word in my mouth. That's what I want. So Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would protect these dear brothers and sisters of mine from the sin of worry. All of us, Lord, I'm praying, Father, that you would set up a guard, Lord, because we choose to be thankful and we choose to make a request known to you this week. I'm praying for a guard, Lord, around everyone here and everyone who hears this, Lord, down the road. I'm praying for protection, peace of God, protection for the saints. I pray that we would stop sinning in worry, Lord. I pray for freedom for us, God, purity of heart, God. I pray, Father, for childlikeness for all of us, Lord. We need it, God. Childlike faith for all of us, God. Yeah, just even now, just just, just ask for you, ask for our brothers and sisters, just childlike faith, freedom. We're not worried about tomorrow. We're not worried about our life. What are we gonna eat, drink? What are we gonna wear? Where are we gonna live? Childlike faith, God, even now, God, pour it out in the church, Lord, for these people here, for the church in Eldorado, pour it out. Childlike faith, God, we need it. I'm the worst offender in the room, Lord. Forgive me for my worry, Lord. Make me strong and steadfast in your love, Lord. I believe that you love me. Help us believe that you love us as children, Lord. I need you to change our minds, God. Just invite him if you would. Just, just the Holy Spirit, change my mind. Holy Spirit, deliver me. 
from the addiction of anxiety. Even introspection. Good. You know how I want to end up tonight? Can we have Ava, little sweet Ava Loss, pray over us? Could you come up here and do that for us, sweetie? She prayed at house church the other day. I'm like, come on, man. This girl needs to be preaching. Ava, I want you to pray however you want to pray, whatever's on your heart, okay? We're just going to agree together, this little sweet one. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for everything you've done for us. We thank you for all your blessings. We're counting every blessing, Lord. We thank you for your love. You are the greatest love of all. Yes. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for everything you do. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for calling us out of the grave and showing us a light. You're the way, the truth, and the light, Lord. Help us just to have a relationship with you and nothing to stand in the way of that relationship, Lord. Help us just to be filled in with your love, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. Was I right? Isn't that sweet? All these kids are precious. I just, I just love the losses. Bless you. Bless you.